Hey, is this thing on? Is this thing on? Hey guys, this is Dan and Connor for the B-Side. Um, we are cold opening this episode uh, to kind of intro a fun, special, uh, shorter episode that we got to do with uh, filmmaker Brian Koppelman uh, just last week. Uh, pretty exciting guest. Uh, first, I mean, you know, I well, not, not first professional guest because we've had other. I guess our first kind of like we've had guy, other people who are professionals, but this is right. I, this is the first person who's in worked their, with like everybody. And and this this is the first subject we've tackled that is it's in their own words has made B sides. Yes, yeah. I think that's kind of you know yeah. as we continue on in our. Uh, on this podcast, of course, the hope would be that we continue to potentially talk about B-sides and then engage with people who have made B-sides. So this was an exciting step in that respect where, so Brian Koppelman, you know him. We talk about it in the episode, but he wrote Rounders with his partner, David Levine. Uh, that put them on the map in 1998. And then they've gone on to write a lot of kind of gambling-based stuff. Uh, we mentioned Tilt, their show on ESPN briefly. Um and we mention uh, we focus on Knockaround Guys and Solitary Man, which is their two feature directed uh, movies. Those are kind of the B sides we talk about. We also take a quick pit stop uh, right near the end to talk about This Is What They Want, which is a 30 for 30 that they co directed. Um, it's a bit of, you know, it's a documentary. So it's a little interesting in that regard, just because it's unlike anything they had ever made. Yeah. And I think. I mean, look, Brian, uh, we can't thank him enough for taking the time to speak with us. He's been very generous during this kind of time period where a lot of people are at home to offer his time to podcasts like our own, and, you know, to speak with us and, yeah, just be do whatever he can to kind of keep us all communicating. And, and he's been a great uh, resource, honestly, during this time. So we can't recommend just thank him enough uh, for all of that. Uh, I will quickly say we mentioned the lead, the four leads of the movie Knockaround Guys. They include Vin Diesel, Barry Pepper, Seth Green, and Andy Davoli, who uh, his name escaped me. And I was looking on the Wikipedia like an idiot. And Brian uh, jumped in and said his name. Connor, but we kind of stepped on each other uh, on the podcast. So I just want to say at the front, Andy Davoli's in it. Uh, he gives a great performance, actually. Um, along with great performances by Seth Green, Barry Pepper, and Vin Diesel. We spent a lot of time talking about Vin, which I, I liked, rent, or buy, rather, uh, Bloodshot Now, currently available. Um, we talk about the producer, Mike DeLuca, who you should check out, uh, who he's worked with Brian. Um, and um, one thing I wish we had asked Brian is him and David have a credit on the film Runaway Jury, but Brian has said in some of his own episodes that was kind of a punch-up job uh, in many respects. I don't think it was like their script from the beginning, right? They got brought on to it. That being said, I wish we had asked him if him and Brian were responsible for writing the amazing Dustin Hoffman verse Gene Hackman it's bathroom the best scene. scene. It's the best, best scene, scene in the movie. movie. Yeah. Uh, kind of like a mini heat scene. Yeah. And it and I will say, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm going to try to ask Brian on Twitter when we post this episode. So I guess look for that. Hopefully he, he's amenable enough to answer. Um, it, it feels like they wrote it. It's it's yeah. punchy. It's fun. It's engaging. Um, their show, Billions, uh, we mentioned it on the podcast. It's uh, All the seasons are currently available on Showtime. The new season's May 3rd. 
Uh, I would encourage people to check that out. And David Levine himself is a novelist. I've read Signature Kill, which is one of his books. He's written like a few. He's written uh, four or five books. He's he's a talented writer. So I encourage people to check out his writing as well. And last but not least, uh, just kind of harking back to a previous episode, I mentioned I would do this. I did finish watching Ocean Heaven, which is a Jet Li drama from 2010. Uh, in which Jet Li plays a dying father who's trying to teach and prepare his autistic adult son how to live without him uh, because the mother has passed on uh, many years before. Um, I really like this movie and and I'm and I, I wish it had been a B-side now because it's Jet Li not fighting. It's Jet Li full drama, full acting, and he's great. And it's a small movie, costs a million dollars to make in American dollars. I think it costs like seven million won. You know, um, it was a big passion project for Jet Li. It's free on YouTube with ads. Um, I would encourage people to watch it. It really got me. And it, I, I, I tweeted about it. Um, it like restored my faith in humanity because it's it's sad, but it's it's hopeful. And it's about this dad and the people around him and them kind of helping each other. And And, and truly watching it right now, I was like... Yeah, this is nice. Like we need these movies. <laughs> one of those, like one of the. I mean, I'm picturing in my head maybe a sadder version, but like one of like like we talked about with Englishmen that went up a hill but came down a mountain right. kind of thing. Like just those right. like people coming together, helping each other out kind of things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously sadder given the content, but it it and I you know I'll spoil it in in, in as much as there is a hopefulness to the narrative, right? So. I got to the end of it being like, cause I'll admit it took me a couple, I had to pause it a couple of times cause it was, you know, it's sad, but I, once I was on its wavelength, I saw where it was going and it became like exactly the thing I needed. So just high recommendation for ocean heaven. And then one of our listeners mentioned fist of legend, which we did briefly mention in the podcast. Um, uh, we're going to watch it. I'm going to watch it cause I've heard only amazing things about it. So, on one of our future episodes, I'm going to mention what I thought of Fist of Legends just because, you know, I don't know. We try to be completists on this freaking podcast. Right? I mean, it's it gets hard. Here. I mean, we have a lot it of time on hard. our hands now. So, uh, exactly. you know, hopefully we can get around to but, it. Um, one thing I do yeah. I do want to cover real quick um, just because we don't quite dive into it or didn't quite dive into it in our conversation with Brian is uh, I do want to briefly talk about the Sonat, like just the brief plot of Solitary Man, because we kind of cover his filmography backwards and we start with Solitary Man, but we sort of just jump into it and don't really get a chance to actually talk about the premise. So basically, Solitary Man stars uh, Michael Douglas and Susan Sarandon and Imogen Poots and a whole slew of other people. Danny DeVito has a small role. Um and uh, Mary Louise Parker is in it as well. Uh, uh, Jesse Eisenberg, a, b- a bunch of people. Uh, we talk a little bit about uh, Olivia Thurlby's performance in it, uh, and she's quite good. Um, but basically, it follows Michael Douglas, who is Ben Kalman, who is a essentially a uh, car magnate whose life sort of begins to fall apart because of just the way he's lived his life in terms of his personal relationships and his professional dealings that have been shady and and whatnot. And so uh, Jenna Fisher is also in it. She plays his daughter. Um, So it's all about how he's strained every possible relationship and connection he's had in his life because of the way he's chosen to live it uh, as he sort of ignores, you know, 
the, the looming health problems and and is kind of grappling with uh with a sense of his own mortality um and yeah there's there's a scene at, at the open that becomes this catalyst for a total essentially life change in ben's life right he he makes a decision basically at the beginning of the movie that alters the course of everything and um and then leads him down this kind of path of loneliness essentially and debauchery in some respects uh and yeah and that's i mean it's a it's a good movie um it's definitely if you're familiar with Koppelman and Levine's work, it's an interesting thing to take a look at because it uh, Koppelman has a sole writing credit on it, which we ask him about, and um, and it uh, it just has a little bit of of a different flavor than say you know Rounders or Billions or even Knockaround guys. So worth checking out. But we talk about it, we dive into it, and uh, yeah, without further ado, uh, we'll dive into our conversation with Brian Koppelman. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the B-Side podcast for the Film Stage website. My name is Dan Mecca. And as always, I'm joined with uh, Connor O'Donnell. Connor, how are we doing? I'm doing all right, Dan. And today's a special episode. We're recording in the middle of a Friday, just kind of last minute, exciting uh, guest who we've been speaking with on Twitter. Um, you know him from a million different things. And I think it's a great opportunity to talk about a couple of his own actual movies and speak to just kind of the process of getting them made and how they kind of exist in the culture. Uh, as we say, the B-Side, it's a podcast where we talk about movie stars and filmmakers and not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones that they made in between. And today we are joined by Brian Koppelman. Brian, how you doing? I'm great. Uh, happy that we all seem healthy and yes. um, we're finding a way to connect even within this uh, isolation. Yeah, and I should say, so So Brian, um, you have a great social media presence. You have your own po podcast called The Moment, which I would encourage everybody to give a listen to. I just want to shout out a couple of episodes that I've been listening to. You had an episode a couple of days ago, uh, dated 317 with Seth Godin. That's a great kind of, if you, you talk about the current state of things in terms of, you know, the virus and how to deal with it in the best way and you know you've had seth on before and he's just a great just person to talk to if you want to feel better about things um which i think is helpful if you don't want to think about it which we understand as well we're not going to dwell on it too much on this podcast there's a great one with cc sabathia uh, uh uh a week before that which uh, Connor, do you remember we worked with CC for our yeah, company? Yeah, we, we we did a job. Brian, we both work for a, a production company in Manhattan, and um, we did a job a few years ago at CC Sabathia's house. Yeah, on his he basketball was the court, nicest I dude in the world. Yeah, we filmed yeah. on his basketball court. He was the best. Yeah, yeah, what very a nice guy. sweetheart that guy is, man! Yeah. Unbelievable. I loved talking to him. What a great guy. Yeah, and very honest. And you know, it's it's always nice when you know he's just retired, uh, obviously. Uh, as a New York Yankee, was an Indian and a and a and a brewer for a brief time before that. But um, 
really honest about everything, which I, is, is so nice and refreshing as well. So I would also, your listeners would probably dig the Chris McQuarrie episode of the podcast. Oh my God, that yeah. is a great interview. I, yeah. I listened to it twice. It's He's so good. Yes. Yeah, Macquarie, he's very honest as well about everything, uh, and that's a great. And then your Edward Norton podcast is amazing as well, um, which me Connor was like, Dan, you got to listen to this. He talks about all these things, um, you know, and and uh, that was such a treat. And so, yeah, I mean, look, so just to, just to highlight, Brian, your career quickly, um, we're going to focus today uh, on Knockaround Guys and Solitary Man, uh, which are your two directed films uh you know feature directed films with your creative depart uh, partner david levine and um you know those are kind of two movies that are both underrated in a way um i think they're b-sides in the sense that they're smaller movies um i don't you know I, solitary man i think did okay for what it was right i don't think it was like a like yeah like, i mean the thing is the the great thing about solitary man for us is you know, one, it's definitely the most well-reviewed, certainly until billions, most well-reviewed thing we'd ever done. And, um, it, it, uh, it was like the number one per screen average movie in New York and on the East coast for a few weeks. It just was a not it in the rest of the country. Nobody cared in LA, nobody cared. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, it's a B side for sure. It's the thing I'm probably most proud of that I've ever done, but it, it, um, was not a commercially successful film. Now you, you didn't, uh, you have a sole writing credit on that movie. Um, so David what was I, the deal with that as opposed to what you guys normally work on together? Well, David and I directed it together. Um, yep. I wrote it alone because, uh, I had seen something. Uh, I, I saw, uh, a man with his grown daughter and I heard him tell, the daughter, don't call me dad in public because it'll make it harder for me to talk to girls. <laughs> and I knew the woman that he was with, and it enraged me that this guy was so creepy. And I, sure. um, I sat down the next morning and I wrote like the first 20 pages of that script and I showed it to Dave the next day. I was like, I have this movie. And I, I wrote the 20 pages and then I blasted out like, the, the first half of it outline wise, I just, uh, understood a lot of things about it, mm -hmm. all the characters and what it was. And I showed it to Dave the next day and he said, you got to write it. It's got so much, um, of this very particular tone. And he's like, it's your, you got to do it, man. Like we can, we'll make it together when you write it, but you got to write it. So mm -hmm. it took me forever. Um, because I got stuck in the middle of it, it took me like four years to write it. Once we wrote, once I wrote it, I gave it to him and he was like, yeah, I gave it to Soderbergh. Soderbergh said, uh, there's a movie, you got to make it. And he got it to Michael Douglas. And so then, then it took like a year to get the money together. But it, for that kind of movie, it went really fast. And Michael mm -hmm. read it, loved it. Dave and I flew to LA, had dinner with Michael and he shook our hands and then he was our partner on the film. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's, it really is rewatching was such a great I love rewatching it a couple of days ago because, you know, it, we, me and Connor uh, met in college. We went to school in Buffalo and I remember seeing it at the, um, in theaters at the art house theater that was across the street from our campus on South campus. And I, it was interesting because when I saw it in 09, right, I liked it, but I was kind of 
obviously put off by the lead character, understandably. And I was young. I mean, we were in college, right? I was 20, whatever. And even watching it now, 10 years later, it was a totally different experience. And it was a better movie in my mind, right? Like watching it again, you know, and I'm 31 now, I'm not so much older, but you know, I've lived 10 more years. And, and, um, I was saying to, to Connor, I had this experience. I backpacked the year after that, I think. Um, and I stayed at this hostel in Ireland and I stayed with this dude in, in like a, you know, shared space. And he was a 65 year old guy who had liquidated his assets, uh, sold a small business like four years before, and had traveled all over the world and spent every dime. And I was catching him randomly in this hostel. And he was down to his last $2,000. And he would, and I just was talking to him because we're in a hostel, whatever. I'm, you know, 20. And he literally was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I have no more money. I was a small business owner. I didn't go to college. I'm going back to my hometown in Ireland. And I have no more money. And I remember I was like, what? Like, I just was... It was the most crazy backpacking story. And so I I found myself rewatching Solitary Man, thinking about that story and how, well, how yeah, that guy sounds like a real Ben Kalman type of <laughs> <Yeah>. character. <laughs> it was so crazy. Yeah. And it's a real thing. I mean, I think the beauty of having Michael Douglas in the movie, to your point, I mean, Wonder Boys is one of my favorite movies as well. It's like he is so unlikable in so many ways, but of course the beauty of him being the character is you root for him anyway. You know, it's just that weird. You're, those you're, kind of men, I mean, obviously Dave and I have made a study of those kind of men right. our entire career. Right. Right. And those kind of men who have this incredible verbal acuity, this charm and charisma, this kind of facile intelligence and the way in which um, they're accorded a tremendous amount of uh, respect and regard and the way they get away with so much stuff because of how they self-mythologize. And uh, that, you know, growing up around people like that, watching them, I've always been fascinated by how they pull off the shit that they pull off <laughs> and the consequences and how they live with themselves. And so Solitary Man gave me a chance as a writer and, and Dave and me a chance as a directors to really make – um, a study of it. And I really wouldn't change. I mean, you always, there are scenes I would have shot differently now, one scene in particular, but generally, you know, I wouldn't change anything about the movie. It, it, Michael's performance is so elevated. I mean, even now when you watch it, like his performance is just fucking brutal and heartbreaking and he never, he doesn't play it at all asking for you to like him. He just embraced who this guy was, man, and wanted to do it, you know, and that's a hard role. And most actors don't want to make themselves that unsympathetic. And, and he was just willing. And then, you know, to have Jesse Eisenberg in the movie and Imogen Poots and, um, Ben Shankman and Lenny Venito and just all these incredible New York characters and character actors, um, in every scene, which is fantastic. There's also uh, it, it just one of the things that watching it, I felt really kind of helps, especially towards the end of the movie is uh, and I, maybe this is just something I feel more fondly for now after seeing him not like this for so many years. But Danny DeVito showing yes. up and just kind of like playing a normal dude. 
uh, really, really helps smooth out like the latter half of the movie in in terms of Douglas's likability, especially right? given their relationship it, in real life. You know? it, exactly, exactly. So, how did well, was was perfect. Danny was that a Michael thing bringing him in, or did you guys reach out separately? Well, I've never told this part um, ever. Uh, so that part was supposed to be played by Robin Williams, oh, and Robin. Wow. Robin uh, told us we flew to San Francisco and Robin said he'd do it. And then now in retrospect, I understand his life got very complicated and he bailed on a bunch of stuff and he was obviously tortured. You could tell he was tortured when you, Dave and I sat with him. We left his house. We were like, Oh, that poor guy, he, he needs to work. He needs to do something to get out of this, this place he's in. Um, so then Robin fell out like, like maybe four weeks before we shooting oh, wow. and the movie almost fell apart the financier took a million bucks out of the budget more and it's not a high budget we went to michael and said will you ask dandy to do it and michael said yeah 100 it's a perfect idea because of their baggage because of their history yeah and so danny came and boy danny is great in the film he's yeah he's not a, a minute, he's not in a ton of it and you're right great. there the relationship that the two of them have, you just feel it on screen in such a heavy way. I won't let you close your eyes until we get this looked at. You won't let me. No. I mean, you could have internal injuries. You hit your head. I mean, we need a doctor. We need a doctor. Jesus Christ, you're too fucking good to be true. The fuck you care about whether I get looked at or not? You know, don't start all that, that friend bullshit. Well... Well, we are friends. I haven't seen you in 30 years, all right? That has nothing to do with it. See, as for you and I, you know, we're a little different. I don't exactly have uh, faith in that racket. What, the friendship racket? Yeah. You know, you had a lot of friends when you were here, Ben. A lot of friends. You know, I'll tell you it was a place for friends. You know where it's in that, that, that mid-range, you know, where everything is comfortable and we're all the same, right there in the middle, huh? But at your highest moments and your lowest, you're alone. I'm on the cover of Forbes magazine, right? I'm by myself. I'm on the, uh, the front of the Times business uh, section with handcuffs. <laughs> Damn, I'm there by myself. That is not true. Please, please. They pull at you. They smile at you. All they want to do is kill you. Literally fucking kill you to take your place. And I'm walking on my, my way to court. And anybody's asking, hey, I wonder what's going on in, in Ben's mind, you know? I couldn't give a shit. Hey, I remember Nancy. She would never treat you that way. Never. Nancy was legit. And I was legit to Nancy. And when I couldn't be anymore, you know, I left. If it means anything, when you were on the cover of Forbes magazine, I was on the cover of Forbes magazine. I saved it and everything. I believe you. Good. I just, I don't know how to be like you, Jimmy. I don't really know where to start. We'll start tomorrow. Let's go inside. Yeah, and just, you know, for our listeners, just, you know, so they produced, uh, 
uh, Michael Douglas produced uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Dan DeVito's in that. They had a young relationship, you know, professional relationship. And they made things like Jewel of the Nile, Romancing the Stone, War of the Roses together, and produced other movies together as well. Yeah, man, but I'll go back even further. Uh, they were roommates before One Flew Over right. the Cuckoo. Those guys were roommates in New York when they were young actors. I mean, yeah, they're yeah, best yeah. friends. They're best friends now for six, 50 years. They're Saturday, like for 50 years. Yeah, you know, and da- so and Danny- so they 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 brought uh, they brought that whole history to 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 this thing. Yeah, no, it's a lovely it's a lovely kind of back half. You know, a couple great moments for for Danny DeVito especially. Um, and then yeah, so I mean, you know, kind of going back backwards, but I but I love it. Yeah, I mean, so Solitary Man is is one of these movies that I think has gained in estimation over the years. People kind of discover it in this great way nowadays you know, whatever, with VOD, with streaming and whatnot. Um, you can stream it currently. I would encourage people to do so. It's a, hey, appropriately titled movie for our current time. Uh, I would I would, I would, would encourage people to to check it out um, uh, as you're kind of chilling at home. Um, now, the, the other directed movie, let me just say before we move to that, obviously you and David kind of put your names on the map with Rounders in 98, which is your first you know, screenplay. And, um, you know, you had been in music before then. A lot of people might not know this, but you kind of discovered Tracy Chapman. You went to school with Tracy Chapman. Um, so that's kind of where you were. I was an A&R guy and I was in college with her and I, we, we worked on that first album together. Yeah. I'm credited with discovering her. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was listening to that album last night and it's amazing. Um, and so then rounders comes around and you know, it, 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 it kind of, it's almost ahead of it's ahead of its time because it leads into this thing that we all remember me and Connor were talking about it where poker became the biggest thing in the world like I remember loving Phil Ivy you know what I mean like being young and being like discovering these people and then I was even watching a couple episodes of the show Tilt uh the ESPN show Dave and I directed the pilot and we created that show yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so so it really it, it's such an I mean in Rounders of course is a movie that's almost comes out and now has this amazing, I mean, it's so beloved, which is so great. Um, and then, you know, you have a couple other writing credits on, you know, Knockaround Guys ultimately comes in 01. I know you had been developing that for a few years ahead of that. A couple other credits include, you know, Runaway Jury, Walking Tall, and then the two Soderbergh movies, Ocean's 13 and The Girlfriend Experience. Um, but um, I guess so Knockaround Guys, just some quick context, a few years back, you know, you, you're always very generous on Twitter and you'll say, hey, I got 30 minutes. Ask me anything. I asked you a question. I don't even know. Probably before we started this podcast about Knockaround Guys. And it was simply just like, what did you learn making Knockaround Guys? And your answer was something like it was something like don't go into making a movie w- w- when you're not in love with your third act or something like that. It was something like that. So well, the ending, we could never. So, like, I have a great affection for the film. You're, the first movie you direct is always going to be fraught. I mean, uh, occasionally a guy like PTA will make Hard Eight. Uh, so <laughs> right. That that's a first movie. It gets uh, incomprehensible. I, I don't even understand how that's a first movie. But generally, <laughs> a fr- and you know, like I made so many short films, or like the Coen Brothers' Blood Simple, or Steven with Sex Lies. But m- you know, most of us who end up with kind of long careers doing this, our first movie that we direct um, is flawed. And and part of it is you can't, re- especially David and I had never shot anything before. We'd written, 
we were on set every day for rounders, but we didn't, we didn't direct rounders. I directed theater in my life, but like college theater, high school theater, I had never directed with a camera. So it, it, and, 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 you know, if I look from knock our guys to solitary man, this is what they to tilt, this is what they want. The documentary we, we directed, like we became, you know, and, and then on billions where you're a showrunner, which is like being director of all of them in some way, um, you learn and understand all sorts of things about staging and shooting, but we didn't know very much about any of that. We, we just were storytellers. Um, but the, but I, I'm, you know, a lot of that movie really is entertaining and works like people. One thing about the stuff Dave and I do, the people who like it, they go crazy for it. So if you like one of our things, you kind of memorize it. Like, you know, the lines, you know what people do. If, if it might miss you, lots of people don't give a fuck, but if you give a fuck, you kind of really give a fuck. You are on our, wavelength and that movie a lot of people are on you know enough people are on the wavelength of it but the shootout we just never really figured out how that movie should end we had this idea we knew what the tone was and i think we just our imaginations kind of let us down a little bit in the very end of the movie like it should have been better than a shootout in a warehouse it's a small sort of I, 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 a lot of the idea of the movie, the premise, where it came from, the guys in it, the fact that we got to make a movie that has in lots of ways Vin Diesel's signature scene as an actor. Mm. All that stuff is great to me. I just wish we were a little bit better at our craft at that time in our lives. Yeah, I mean, I think it's such a great – so for those who may have discovered after this podcast, Knock Around Guys, it's an amazing premise, right? It's basically, you know – the sons and friends of these revered New York, you know, area mobsters basically are getting the short shrift in both mob life and their potential professional lives because of their names and because of the assumptions about, you know, their softness and whatnot. Um, you have Barry Pepper as the ostensible lead, a younger Vin Diesel in a really like Rewatching it, he, Vin, Vin Diesel's tremendous in the movie. Actually, he is like, he, you gave him the two best monologues yeah. in the movie. Yeah, um, and he is. I mean, the I mean, one on the gun range, and then the one when he five hundred fights. Five hundred fights. And I'm not trying to knock Vin in any capacity, but no. it, I think it still remains as easily probably a top three performance for him, I would say, personally. Yeah, it's yeah. An, you know, I mean, look, his career is an interesting one in, in as much as just, you know, we talk about, you know, Bloodshot is a is a current B-side that's going to be available. Yeah, it's like a born B-side. It's going to be available <laughs> uh, to, to rent and buy, I think, next week, given everything that's changing. So, I mean, he's obviously made an amazing career for himself. But watching those early movies, including Knockaround Guys, it speaks to this kind of other direction his career could have went. Right? Yeah, but he is, listen, the guy's amazing. Yeah. I mean, he made himself one of the, very consciously made himself one of the biggest movie stars in, in the world. And like, yes, there will be people like Will Smith, clearly Tom Cruise, they, they wanted that. But mo most people, most, you know, I've worked with a lot of the biggest actors in the world and like a lot of them, it's not that they fell into it exactly, but they didn't really allow themselves to plan. Like you might dream of being the biggest movie star, but Vin Diesel plotted it out. Yeah. <laughs> In a almost Machiavellian. Out to becoming as, you know, a $20 million a movie guy. And he yeah. fucking did it. That's an unbelievably impossible thing to do. Right. He crafted his body. He made his voice a certain way. Like yeah. that dude created 
a version of himself that could be a gigantic action movie star. It's amazing to me. And yes, we got him at this moment in time when he really was wanted to be good. Like he really wanted to be good in the movie as an actor. And he's so soulful in the film. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you just love him, you know. Manny, for 99 guys out of 100, this is lose-lose. It's not like the way it was 30 years ago. It's not like the stories your uncle was telling us when we were growing up. Now it's either a bullet in the back of your head or jail for life. Just snap it back in there. So you know all this, but I don't see you trying to get out. I said you. Come on, we're talking about you here. Sorry I got you into this, Taylor. Just more of the same for me. It's more of the same. Yeah, and, you know, it just, it speaks, right, so I, there's a million people in the movie that, you know, look, similar to Solitary Man, and look, credit to you and, and you know, the, the people you utilize for casting, in, in finding these talents, you know, Olivia Thurlby, uh, we didn't even mention from Solitary Man is great in that, in that movie. And, um, and so many people. Uh, yeah, it was so, she was so sweet. Uh, she was gonna play the lead female role in Solitary Man originally. And she got cast in, um, a play that, that was like really all about her. And she, she called, she said, listen, I, cause it took a year to get the money. She's like, in this time I got this play, but if you guys need me to come pinch hit and do anything on the movie, I will. And I called her and I said, look, we have this really little thing. We won't even credit you if you don't want, but we need, it has to be someone special to do this moment. And Thurlby was like, I told you her agents, everyone in her life asked her not to do it. <laughs> and she, I mean, I remember the whole thing and she was like, no, I said, I do it. I'm coming. And she was the best. It was so sweet of her That's to come great. do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, she she's wonderful. In it. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, just to the point of knockaround, guys. Yeah, I, I see. I see. I see your point with the ending in as much as right. The shootout essentially without we won't spoil it. Um, but um, Barry Pepper and his his group includes Vin Diesel, Seth Green. Um, uh, let me I, get her. Let me make, make sure I get our. Fourth guy too. I don't want to. Devali is his name. Yes, thank yes, you so much. Yeah, thank you, Andy Devali. But so they're all. Uh, they there's missing money. They go to a small town in the middle of America to find it. Things get complicated, and then you have other characters, great actors, John Malkovich and Dennis Hopper, which I forgot. The Tom the, Noonan is Tom great. Too. Yeah, the John Malkovich relationship. Uh, all the way through the line, you know, and he's, his name is Teddy. His name is Teddy in Knockaround Guys. It, it is kept the Teddy name. Um, we're gonna always name Teddy. We were gonna always name John Teddy and everything we ever did with him. But then <laughs> to make him play a, in Billion, a Russian, we had to not name the character Teddy because yeah. first of all, there are not a lot of Russian oligarchs named Teddy, <laughs> and we felt like uh, too many people were gonna make the Teddy KGB comparison yeah, anyway. Yeah, we just yeah, didn't yeah. Have to deal with it. Well, we were me, <laughs> me and Connor were gonna ask. So obviously, you guys uh, created Billions, which is a great show, uh, which. Similarly, 
an, an amazing uh, slew of performances all the way around in that show uh, currently going on. So it premieres May 3rd. Is that right? Yes. Do you think you want to ask Showtime maybe to have it be like April 3rd so we can all get I'm just kidding. <laughs> they won't. I get asked every day. They won't. It's May 3rd. It'll be on May. That's 3rd. so funny. I'm sure. Hey, I'm sure we'll still be doing our thing. So May third, look for I, it. I, and show I hope not. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, but I guess so. All right. So not ground guys, and also another podcast. Uh, you talked to Mike DeLuca recently, who helped you get not ground guys made. And um, if you listen to a podcast like this, you should know who Mike DeLuca is, just because he is this amazing producer um, who's been around forever now and been a part of. It's crazy how many movies he's... Three Best Picture nominations as a producer, yeah. Yeah, but also, I mean, so you have that, like, yeah, the Best Picture noms, but then, like, every level of film, it's it's kind of incredible, right, in that in that respect. Um, so listen to that podcast uh, on the moment as well and uh, check his career out as, uh, also. And then I guess, you know, we wanted to shout out, uh, you know, we, we don't want to keep you forever, but we wanted to shout out your amazing, you mentioned it, uh, your 30 for 30 doc, uh, this is what they want. This yeah. is what they want about Jimmy Connors that you and David did. Me and Connor were saying, I mean, that do you ever want see yourself wanting to go back in a documentary? I mean, that is such a compelling piece of work. It's such a tight piece of filmmaking. Like I Thanks. uh yeah, no, I I um personally like I'm not a huge sports person, but I love a good sports narrative. And so I love the 30 for 30s. But that one in particular, um, one thing that really struck me about it was your resistance to kind of uh, take Jimmy Connors bait and lionize him, right? Like the idea that you you make him a compelling figure and get you, you give the viewer a little bit of that taste that the crowd gets of like, oh, I just got a root for this guy. But then even by the end, like I appreciate that you oh, commit yeah. You commit to him committing to being an asshole, right? Like <laughs> said that line to us. I mean, you know, I'm sitting there next to the camera and asking him those questions in his house. And that was the last interview session because, you know, you save that kind of thing for the last interview session. Of course, of course. Sock. And when I said, look, this is what some of these players say about you. And I started reading him what everyone said, you know, and he said, and I read him that Patrick said he was an asshole. And he said, well, I may be an asshole, but at least I'm a happy asshole. I keep going back to the was nothing personal. It was business. And, and my business was winning. And, and, and because of that, I got criticized for it also. He'll do anything to win. Well, you're damn right I'll do anything to win. Of course I will. Really, was I an asshole? I mean, I mean, that's just shocking Patrick would say something like that. I mean, that's, you know, coming from John, I would expect that. But geez, coming from Patrick, probably everybody's gonna look at this and they're gonna say, Jesus, I mean, I'm looking at this, Connor's still an asshole, but I'm a happy asshole. I mean, I knew then, like, I, Dave and I turned to each other and was like, well, what we have to do is make a documentary that earns that as the last thing yeah, he says. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really just tight. We knew from when, the moment he said that, we knew that's where we were marching to, you know? Um, which is the great thing about a doc is you have this, this thesis and you're prosecuting this thesis. Then you have to keep double-checking it and being willing to go another way. But in that one, it, it, it was very clear. Look, uh, we loved making it. You just lose money making documentaries. I mean, sure. you just, you just really do. You, we made no money for that. Like ESPN gives you a budget. It was great. We were so happy to get it. But then at the end, we threw in our fee to get them to throw in the equal amount to be able to really finish it and get like the Ace Freely song mm -hmm. that we wanted. And um, so, one, it's 
truly a money losing proposition. And two, <laughs> time, it's incredibly time intensive. And once Billion started, that just became a repository for all of our creative right. ideas, you know, to get the opportunity to make a long running series. That's exactly the show that you want to make. Um, that you're able to do all the fun shit you do in a B side, but it's an A side is like, how can you not, how can you not just like do everything you can to keep that going at as high a quality level as you possibly can, which is what we're doing, you know? Yeah, no. And I think to your point earlier about your writing style and your directing style, um, but specifically your writing style, um, billions is the perfect amalgamation of that exact thing you're talking about where, and look, honestly, it's 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 almost you're, you 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 guys are at the peak of what you're doing, but in a weird way, it's nostalgic, right? Because a lot of writing these days doesn't have that personality, right? Like like even my wife, like I'll have billions on, and like she'll hear one of the lines where you're referencing something, and she'll be like, "What is the show you're watching?" Like she because it's so <laughs> specific, right? It's right. They're, they're so they're, deeply personal to us, yeah. you know, and. The great thing about having your lifelong best friend as your creative partner is we're just trying to make each other laugh and smile. And and, and you're right. Look, it, it is us at the height of what we do. But, but it's it's us, you know, 23 years later from Rounders, having learned all sorts of things along the way about how to do this thing and about how to make our voice crystal clear. So it's bringing you into this, the narrative. But we're also... Um, if I want to reference Peter Lawford, I'm going to fucking reference Peter Lawford, but I'm going to do it in a way that lands where if you know who that is, you know, you could know if you know that he was the brother-in-law of Kennedy, that's great. If you just know he was a guy in the Rat Pack, that's great. If it's just a name that sounds like it's from the 50s, that's fine. You're going to be able to follow the show, but we want to lay in enough. We want there to be enough layers. And we've, I'd say this has always been in everything that we've done. There are layers upon layers for you to grab onto if you want. What we've gotten better at over time is also just making this it that if you don't want to do that, you can watch and have a great time anyway. Uh, and and that's just from years of like grinding on it so that the storytelling comes really comes first and pulls you through. Um, whereas rounders, we were our goal in round. We were fine if you didn't fucking understand it. If you weren't willing to do the work to understand rounders, fuck you was our attitude then right, right. as young men, you know. Um, now we like the better challenge, which is how can we make those people love the show, the people who want to do all that, but how can we make you love the show if you just want to watch a great show? So we're trying to pack all of that into billions, you know, I mean, rounders, we started literally that first scene is indecipherable. If you write, uh, three stacks of high society. So you're sitting the apple, like a lot of people could just be out right, right. then. Um, our kind of people are in, and then they're in for our whole career, but and then they're part of our tribe right. now. So those people are all in on billions, but we're happy to have more people involved too. Yeah, no, I think it's a great, it, yeah, it's a great kind of A to A to B to C to D to kind of watch that happen. And I think, you know, um, yeah, I mean, look for me and Connor, me and Connor, we work together, you know, we've written some stuff together. We ha we've written separate as well. We've worked on stuff. And I think, 
you know, you guys as a duo is very inspiring in that sense because you guys, you know, collaborate in such a great way. We should say David himself, uh, your partner, is a novelist. He's written some great books. You should check those out. Your wife, Amy, uh, is a novelist. Great novelist and filmmaker. She's yeah, awesome. Yeah, she, she co-wrote uh, with her partner, I Smile Back, uh, which was her book, which was an indie movie as well, which I actually saw at Sundance a few years ago. Awesome. Um, Sarah her new movie is, she just finished her new movie. She directed. Uh, oh, it's an adaptation of her first uh, book. It's called A Mouthful of Air, starring Amanda Seyfried and Amy Irving and Paul Giamatti, and it's fantastic. Oh, wow. And great movie. Oh, awesome. um, It'll be out. I'm sure I'm sure they were hoping to be at festivals, but who knows if there are any festivals. Yeah, I got it. Amen. Yeah, huh. All right. Listen, guys, this was great. Yes, I Brian. love the deep dive into the work. Um, I love that you're doing this podcast. It's so <laughs> cool. Uh, I, I really don't know the pod, but I'm diving all the way in now because Please this whole me. idea of people's B-sides, as you can know from our work, I'm obsessed with it. So <laughs> I'm in. I'm about to be a completist on the podcast. All right. Well, good. I'm glad. <laughs> well, we'd love to have you back. So if there's anyone you want to cover whose uh, career runs deep <laughs> yeah, and has exactly. some choice B-sides, we'd love to have you. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> awesome. How cool. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. All right. Stay safe out there, Brian. Thanks, man. Hey. All right. Thanks. Starting from zero, got nothing to lose. Maybe we'll make something. That's the interview. Thanks for listening to that episode. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Once again, thanks to Brian for joining us. Uh, It was an absolute pleasure. Um, Yeah, so just... To reiterate, you heard it on the podcast, but just to say it again, his Brian's podcast is The Moment with Brian Koppelman, which you can listen to. Uh, he usually posts kind of a weekly episode is what I believe it is. And um, we mentioned a few of them on the podcast. Uh, Seth Godin, CC Sabathia, recent episodes that you can take a look at. He mentions the Chris McQuarrie episode, which is great, that Connor loves and I love. And um, the Edward Norton episode from uh, later last year. And you can also follow him on Twitter. Uh, and just so I get it right, it's just his name, at Brian at Koppelman. Brian Koppelman, yeah. Uh, K-O-P-P-E-L-M-A-N. And um, yeah, I mean, what else do we want to say, Connor? I think no, we enjoyed I mean, it. He, yeah, he was he was super generous with, with the time that he gave us. And, and generous in the sense of like, I think just, you know, w- was able to pack things into a, a pretty concise 30 minutes for us. So, you know. Uh, for something that just started with a tweet, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take it. And it was great. So thank you again, Brian, for your time. Uh, thank you all for listening. And, uh, Dan, uh, oh, before we wrap up, sorry, we have a, a couple different episodes on the horizon. Um, our next episode, we're going to be doing another classic episode. We're bringing back uh, Nate Washburn, who was on our um, Humphrey Bogart episode. So he's going to be joining us again, which will be great. And we will be covering uh, some B-sides from Catherine Hepburn. Um, and so that uh, just... Yeah, know, these are deep, deep B-sides. Yeah, deep B-sides. And you know, keep, just keep a lookout for it. And, pretty cool, uh, yeah. It'll be, yeah, it'll be a pretty cool one. And then also on the horizon, at some point, uh, we will have... Uh, We'll, we'll be covering Kira Knightley and Sorsha Ronan. So we'll, we'll get, you know, we're getting some, some ladies, some ladies going. Some ladies. And then I was on the Mask of Zorro uh, classic, classic episode yeah. for the film stage Which show. Which you stole out from under me. I know. You and snaked I meant to, it's it funny, out from I, under me. I know. And I meant to say that on the podcast, but I 
we didn't no, and, and, didn't and you know what if that. anybody wants proof they can go listen to the gemini man episode of the <laughs> exactly. film stage show where we talk about it live on the pod and it's so then, funny well, you know i stole it it's i stole fine. it it's um, fine but i'm watching not Nascazora. mad about it Nascazora uh, is great <laughs> perfect quarantine movie that's what we say yeah it's perfect um it's i is it a like maybe for what it is is it a perfect movie like it uh, i mean it's it not really obvi- is great. it's not it's obviously not like obviously there's i'm this, sure I, like um, screenwriting problems in it but like it is yeah. so eminently watchable no, it's very good and we talk a lot about i will say one thing uh that i was happy we got to in the podcast is we talked a lot about martin campbell's career so that was just nice because he's such an underserved underappreciated director i will say though um i'm halfway through i i did a rewatch of beyond borders because mm. it's on showtime sure um that's a tough one um i'm sure we'll cover that on this podcast you know, at some point <laughs> right right yeah we do an angie uh angie b-side uh it's one of those we talked about the last face briefly uh when we did charlize theron and um it's you know the same kind of world you know where it's like white people saving minority you know it's yeah. just <sighs> though Clive Owen's very sexy in it I don't know it's very interesting I mean, but it's, anyway. Clive, it's Clive it's Clive 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 doing Clive, 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 um, Clive, Clive Owen, who's amazing on uh, this recent season of Curb Your Enthusiasm he's in one amazing episode I actually. haven't watched it yet I'll have uh, to yeah, you, God, you would love yeah. you would love that episode anyway. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's it. Thank you for listening. Uh, I guess stay tuned for what we got coming down the pike. Also, we've uh, we've started doing um, cinephile game nights. Um, yeah. So just keep an, keep a lookout either on our feed or the cinephile game feed or the film stage feed. We're still kind of putting it together. We've only done one so far. Uh, by the time you listen to this, we'll we'll have done a second one. Um, but it's kind of uh, a soft soft open. Yeah, we're doing sort of a soft rollout with it. But um, you you're know, playing cinephile for a good cause for good causes, and uh, yeah. So just I won't go into too much here, but just right. you know, take take a look out for that on your on on those feeds um anyway um so dan where can people find you so i'm as always at dj mecca on twitter and writing stuff for the film stage i'm going to be watching a south by southwest award winner later tonight to review it cool. uh, for the film stage so by the time you're listening that might be up and ready to read um so look for that uh connor what about you uh you can find me on twitter at scruffy looking you can follow this podcast on twitter and facebook at tfsb side um and uh yeah that's uh, that's about that and uh, thank you for listening everybody stay healthy stay safe and we'll get you on the next one I remember when we were driving Driving in your car, speed so fast it felt like I was drunk. City lights day out before us, and your arm felt nice wrapped round my shoulder. And I, I had a feeling that I belonged. I, I had a feeling I could be someone, be someone, be someone.